Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. And good morning, this is Annie for Showreel, our look at uh, the Australian film industry. And on the line we've got a guest. We're going to be talking to Tristan Barr, who is part of the production team. In fact, he's a co-producer, co-director and writer of an action crime drama thriller called uh, Watch the Sunset. G'day, Tristan. How are you? Hi, Annie. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, it's I've actually seen this film twice now because I saw it in its earliest uh, permutation and uh, now you've glamorised it and made it into a, uh, the new production, uh, the one-shot wonder film about... Uh, the horrors of ice in country uh, Australia. That's right, yeah. We've, um, it's been a, a big process, but uh, yet it's now getting released in uh, cinemas and on stand and uh, various other platforms. So it's, um, it's great to see that a, you know, a little team of filmmakers can kind of produce something that uh, you know, goes wide. Now, you're based in Queensland, aren't you? Yes, I am, yeah. I'm based in Brisbane. Yeah, now the um, the place, the location is Kerrang. Uh, that's New South Wales? Uh, it's actually uh, regional Victoria. Oh, regional Victoria. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so um, it was the cinematographer's uh, hometown and the it uh, basically the one shot travels for nine different locations within the town um, and uh, the, the local town of Kerrang was um, really uh, welcoming and, and we had 80 locals come and uh, donate their time every day to the extras in the film um, and yeah, the, the, basically we travel all the way through the town and the, the story unfolds and, and the whole town had to know because, you know, obviously we couldn't have anyone looking into the camera or, or, you know, disrupting the case. So um, it was a really welcoming community that, that uh, we had there in Kerrang. What's the logistics of doing a one-shot shot, uh, film? I mean, obviously, uh, you didn't do it in one day, did you? Yeah, so we, I mean, we did months of rehearsal, but we only shot the film... Uh, so you, you only shoot it for for 83 minutes, which is what the, the film ended up being. So um, we shot it seven different times, but the, the, 
the time that you get to see in cinemas um, is the fourth time we shot. Wow. Um, mm. And that was the best take out of all of them. And it was a compromise I had to make as a director whether, you know, some takes there was better performance, some takes there was better cinematography. Um, and eventually we settled on the fourth take. Oh, that's amazing. Now, the uh, other thing about it is that uh, from the first time I saw it, which was in a, a, a less um, salubrious but similar uh, um, arrangement, you slightly changed the plot, didn't you? Yeah, there was, I mean, it's, it's always um, kept the similar kind of motif. Oh, yeah, most of it was... The same. Most of it was yeah. the same, but what happened in the house wasn't exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, the, part of it is that we wanted to draw attention to, um, you know, uh, crystal meth use or ice, um, and you know, it is such a big problem in regional communities, and we didn't want to shy away from that, and um, that is just something that's a reality, and it really drives the story as well, so we've decided to put that in there. Yeah, because it's hyper-real, and uh, that drug is hyper-real. It's, it's a very frightening aspect to the entire thing. And it's a very... Uh, uh, it's got lots of uh, sense of uh, loomingness, <laughs> if that's a word, you know. It's, it's actually quite gripping, this film. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you You've won a lot of accolades in... Um, the uh, places that you've been showing it. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so it's done, you know, unbelievably well. I, 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 I'm very humbled by it, although sometimes we, we kind of, um, since we premiered it at uh, Revelation Film Festival in uh, Perth, it's kind of, it's done every major city in Australia and then it, it did a big... Uh, a big screening in Montreal um, and before going to LA and New York. And um, it's, it's been a great reception. It's helped my career unbelievably and, uh, you know, got me represented in the States. Because um, you, 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 know, you won Best Actor. That's right, yeah. So um, uh, I, I picked up a couple of actor awards and then um, I also... Um, you know, was lucky enough to, to, to get some director um, accolades as well. So um, it's it's been really humbling to, to have that. And it's it's amazing how, you know, I you, your career can go from just being a, a struggling um, artist to suddenly, you know, being on the worldwide stage. Uh, so that, that was really terrific to, to see that. You... Uh... How did you start your um, career? Because, I mean, this film means that you've done practically every aspect of filmmaking bar grip yeah, and yeah. gapper. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's right. Um, I, I started as an actor um, and I trained at uh, the Victorian College of Art, uh, which is uh, quite a renowned acting school in Melbourne. And... and um, that really uh, taught me about theatre making and uh, filmmaking, and I kind of combined both um, those sort of techniques into one. And that's really how Watch the Sunset has come about. Is um, all the actors in it actually uh, trained with me 
at the same school um, and have gone off and done various kind of, uh, you know, film and TV work. But we all came back together and created this one shot. And there's something only theatre actors, I think, are capable of, uh, you know, continuing to, to stay alive within uh, the moment for, you know, an hour and a half, whereas, you know, film actors can sometimes get into the habits of just, you know, replaying the scene or the uh, the take until you get it right. And, and we didn't really have the opportunity to do that for one take. So, um, you know, I have to kind of take my hat off to all the actors who, who really uh, made this possible. Yeah, and the uh, technicians and all the rest of it. It, it is really fantastic uh, what you've done. Uh, it's like you said. It's now you had a series of uh, screenings in theatres around the country, and you had Q and As. But now it's going to be released on stand. So that's a bit of a coup as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it'll be on stand and and on all kind of various digital platforms, the iTunes and Vimeo on demand and. Um, and we've got a couple of exciting US deals coming our way, which is which is great and um, good for everyone involved. So, so you can't yeah. tell us what they are, can you? Or you'd have to shoot us, right? <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Unfortunately, I've uh, I've got to keep a, a tight cone of silence. Uh, yes. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, I mean, for all your listeners, I, I you know uh, I urge them to check it out. I think. You know, Australian films—it's a, it's a tough um, slog at the moment to get your film in cinemas. So um, it's, it's amazing when the kind of films being able to break out and, and kind of get onto a streamer or something like that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely one to check out. And um, you know, you, you may be able to kind of find some mistakes throughout the take, uh, and that's just a compromise that you know we had to make. But I'm sure there'll be. You know, lots of people writing online about uh, various things that they've seen throughout the one shot. <laughs> Congratulations, Tristan. Thank you so much, Annie. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for talking to us. Uh, yeah, and that's Tristan Barr. As I said, uh, co-producer, co-director, writer uh, of the film uh, Watch the Sunset, which is going to be on stand. And as he said, it punches above its weight. It's... Uh, been uh, shown all over the place uh, in America and it's uh, garnered the uh, individuals involved uh, uh, a new trajectory for their careers. This is what actors are doing, I guess, in order to uh, make their uh, way in the world. Hi, my name is Rolf de Heer. I don't live in Melbourne. I live across the water in Tasmania. But if I did live in Melbourne, my number one radio station would be 3CR because it's about community, and community matters. Tune in to On Screen and find out more about what's on the big and the small screen each Saturday, 11am till 12 noon on 3CR. It's a program on film, on filmmakers and on film festivals. It's called On Screen, Mm, but it's on the radio, 3CR. Yes, you're on 3CR and you're on Showreel with Annie. And another 
director who started off as an actor, Jennifer Kent, who uh, made Babadook, has just recently put out a film called The Nightingale and it is causing waves. Now, if you're interested in The Nightingale, which you should be, uh, it's opening on the 29th, which is today, I, I believe, and I've been given a couple of double passes. So if you want to give us a call on uh, 94198377, you may be the happy recipient of one of the double passes. You just need to leave your your number and address and I'll be able to send them out to you. Now, uh, Jennifer Kent... I played uh, earlier in the uh, month uh, a Q&A around The Nightingale. Uh, it's set in Tasmania. It's um, uh, about 1825. So it's right in the midst of the uh, European takeover of the landmass. Uh, it's a very quite a violent film, but it's uh, no, uh, actually not as violent as uh, uh, most mainstream action thrillers. But... Um, Interestingly enough, it's really uh, sheets home uh, the uh, issues around genocide and violence towards women. I got a chance to actually speak to Jennifer Kent, so here we go. Now, you've quite specifically made uh, The Nightingale at a particular time in a particular place, and it appears to me that it's an investigation of violence, but also the politics of genocide. And uh, one of my uh, co-presenters at 3CR, he's a Korean. He has a whole riff around Australia is a crime scene. And I had a real sensation of that in your film. Do you want to talk to that? That's an amazing way of putting it. I, I feel I feel the same. And I feel um, that it's, you know, it's a, it's a crime scene that happened a long, long time ago and continues to happen and uh, has, you know, colonialism for me has this far-reaching effect into the present. And I don't think many under, uh, many Australians understand the damage that it's caused and is causing in particular to Aboriginal people. And I, and I hope, my hope for this film is that it helps us to understand that it's a current problem, it's a modern-day problem, and that, you know, the film is not a past. It's not a fiction, for one, unfortunately, and it's not a past problem. It's something that I think unless Australians can look at at this past and, and really make serious efforts to heal it, we won't evolve as a nation. Now, you, you had lots of opportunities to make a whole range of uh, films after Babadook, but you decided to do this. Was this something that uh, was unfinished business for you? I, as a filmmaker, it's very important to me that I do things that I care about because it's so hard to make films. And, you know, I, I would rather sit and write and do other things but you know, I have to go. I have to say to myself, "Okay, I'm going to go out there and uh, and make this film, and I'm going to commit to it for three years or longer, and nothing's going to stop me." And so, it was. It was the story that came to me, and I felt it was really important to me that I wanted important enough that I wanted to spend these years of my life uh, devoting myself to it. So, you know, there was really no other choice as far as I was concerned. I actually think this is the first, and this is what I want to congratulate you on, I think this is the first film made by a white Australian 
that actually grapples with this past violence? Oh, well, thank you. I mean, you know, everything is done. Uh, you know, of course, we'll get criticism, and I understand those criticisms, but I have to say that everything was done with the utmost motivation of love and respect um, for Aboriginal people and for their culture, and and, you know, to the point where... I would not have made this film without uh, collaboration with Tasmanian Aboriginal people uh, on, a, on a very deep and ongoing level. I mean, how, how could I? I don't know their story. I haven't lived it. But, you know, I, 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 as a storyteller, try to work from a point of empathy. And so it was my, and, and not just me, my producer's goal to really either either be able to involve and collaborate deeply with Tasmanian Aboriginal people, or or not make it at all, and so you know the the film is has been made with the great love and support of um, Tasmanian uh, Aboriginal elder Uncle Jim Everett, but also his community who, at every step, were informed of you know well what what is this story about? So they had the script and feedback and then um, through all the process of uh, you know, financing, casting, pre-production, the shoot, the edit, right to the very end, everything um, had to be uh, you know, fed through that channel and, and be approved or it wasn't going to be on screen. Now you work in a collaborative group of people, don't you? Yeah, I, I try to. I've tried to my goal before I even made Babadook was to really develop a family of people that could work in an ongoing way. Um, it's not always easy to do that, but I really, when a, when a collaboration is successful, mutually successful, um, I really try to offer that because you, you develop a shorthand. You know, filmmaking is very challenging and if you can really know a person well, you can get such strong results in a much quicker time frame. That's really important, I think. Yeah, well, I was looking up some of the stuff about the Babadook and it was really interesting to read uh, a Wikipedia page that's talking about the actual nuances of colour grading and um, uh, perspective. And I know that in this particular film you decided on a particular framing and that the film was actually originally called Interiors. Oh, yes. Wow, you've done your research, Annie. That's amazing. Um, yes, yeah, so once upon a time it was called that, another time it was exile, but um, the nightingale was, you know, something that, um, the name that really struck for me because, you know, it's really about two people finding their voice, particularly, you know, about Claire, I guess, finding, finding uh, the strength to speak up. But you know, it's not really an empowerment film. I don't think that. I don't think it's like <laughs> we ever get to that point. But um, I think that there's uh, some hope. There's some light at the end of the tunnel. You know, it's. It was very important to me that the film always travelled towards the light. I think we have to have hope in humanity, in our ability to heal in our ability to transcend you know, racism, misogyny, um, hatred, violence, and, and just care for each other as human beings. 
You know, it's funny because at the ending, it has the ending in By the Sea. And, you know, it struck me uh, that I don't know if you've watched Romper Stomper, but yeah. that ending is also By the Sea. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and it struck yeah. me in the same way that it's kind oh. of a similar ending. Yeah, right. It's so long since I've seen that film, you know, such a long time ago. It's a, yeah, so it, was, it certainly wasn't like a deliberate reference, but I always felt this sense of them travelling, I guess, more through this world that was constantly overcast and, and you know, either in darkness or overcast until the very end when, you know, when they see, uh, see the sun for the first time. Yeah. I mean, I was wondering in a funny kind of way, it's a kind of a very Australian thing that we're going to the lip of the the earth. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, travelling traveling, um, out towards the exterior. Yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. You've got a, a fantastic array of actors and... Um, uh, I was really uh, blown away by San Kaflin's performance because I've seen him in, in a couple of films and he is completely different. You know, he's a happy <laughs> chappy in other films. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look, he, you know, he, he, he's a revelation for me in this film. I, I really initially wasn't wasn't thinking Sam Claflin for this role. No. Uh, but to his to his credit, he really wanted the role and he, you know, he... he he beat out everyone. He actually auditioned, even though he's very high profile, really. But he wanted to uh, to to show what he could do, and in, he was extraordinary. He gave an extraordinary audition, and um, I, I was really excited by the idea because I did want a character that didn't look like the obvious, you know, cardboard cutout villain, but that looked more like the hero, actually. Yeah. The one who physically was there to save the day. You know, because the thing about damage, and I do see it as damage rather than an evil presence, uh, is that it comes in all shapes and sizes. And yes, charming, handsome men who appear to have the world at their feet can be monstrous, or their behaviour can be monstrous. And, um, you know, I wanted to bring it back to... A human being doing these things, not not an evil monster. Um, you know, he's flesh and blood. Yeah, and I guess that uh, your exploration into psychological drama and horror uh, goes the full circle by being in a normal place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. I, I think it's. You know, I would never call the Nightingale a horror because I think it's be disrespectful to what happened in that period but there's sort of horrific things that play out in otherwise um, you know normal everyday spaces whether it be interior or out in nature um, and you know the, where where a film is set for me very heavily influences the style and tone of the film so you know, the nature in Tasmania lent itself to a certain feeling that we really tried to um, uh, sort of capitalise on and, and use as, a, as another character in the story. 
Now, you've been able to uh, specifically go into Claire's perspective. That, that's what you're doing, isn't it, in this film? I think so, but I also, you know, think it becomes a shared story. So it's, it's, it's a story of two people. I mean, it's not just her journey. Um, it's a story of two people who, who you know, you, you think could never connect, but that find uh, a way to put aside their preconceived ideas of each other and just come to face each other as two humans. It's interesting that you, you this film won the um, special jury prize at uh, Venice back to back to the sweet country, uh, sweet country, which is yeah. interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's amazing um, and heartening that there's an interest in in Australia and our culture, you know, in in our in in the way that we tell stories. And I think it's, you know, it's. Um, I mean, I have nothing but respect for Warwick Thornton. I think he's a beautiful filmmaker and, you know, it's it's he led the way there. And, um, you know, I hope and I hope to see more Aboriginal filmmakers at Venice and in Cannes and, you know, because we, we have some extraordinary uh, filmmakers here. Uh, we're fortunate in that way that we have a system that can support these stories being told where, say, for example, I met with, some Native American people after screenings of um, of the Nightingale in the U.S. recently, and it's very tough for them to finance their films. You know, it's it's borderline impossible, and that it makes it saddens me to think of that. It, it obviously um, pays to get some accolades overseas before you bring it back home. Correct? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, it, it helps with a critical success of the film and um, to be given that kind of support, most definitely. I know that um, it's a pretty tough film and uh, it was uh, pretty amazing to watch, I'll have to say, but it is yeah. a relief that it's actually been made and that it's been told. I, I I know that a lot of the questions that the at the place, the, the time when I saw it, were revolving around violence towards women and stuff. And very yeah. few people actually talked about genocide. So um, uh, I take my hat up to you for uh, being able to put two of the two elements of uh, massive oppression together like that. Well, thank you so much, Annie. That 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 means a lot. You know, it's it's been a very tough film to make. So when when I hear that people you know have been moved in some direction by it, it you know. It really means the world to me. It's why I make films, so thank you. And thanks for um, talking to me. Is there anything else you'd want to say to my audience? Uh, just, that, just that the film opens um, in cinemas 29th of August, which is this weekend, I believe. Yeah. And that, you know, the the, uh, the importance of people seeing these films, these independent Australian films on the first weekend, really helps their life. So if if people are... Uh, interested in seeing it, I'd encourage them to see it ASAP. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. You're welcome, Annie. Lies, deceit, propaganda, indoctrination, preemptive strike, weapons of mass destruction, 
intend to destroy the original nation. Australia's a crime scene. It's a criminal nation. Crime scene. Crime scene investigation. White only policy constitution. Apartheid law reservation. Mission station. Compounds, jails, concentration. Overrepresentation, incarceration. Deaths in custody, stolen generations. Mental harm, torture, first prevention. Tend to destroy, create the conditions. Alcohol infusion, drugs of addiction, domestic violence, violent domestication. Australia's a crime scene. It's a criminal nation. Crime scene, crime scene investigation. You can change the rhythm of my soul. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.